Welcome to the Way Church Service at Greystone with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. You already know, right? You're not going to start till we all get a smile. Hey, back there, smile. Let's go. All right, let's get this started. That's better. <laughs> all right, welcome to the Way Service at Greystone. I'd like to thank everyone for coming out this morning to get a portion of God's Word. First and foremost, I'd like to thank our risen Savior this morning, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for making this all possible for us by going to the cross, shedding his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and becoming the final sacrifice for our sins so we could have a new life, eternal life, spiritual life, and a new purpose here on planet Earth for all who believe in the one and only Son of God. We're so grateful for that. We gather here to learn about our Creator and find our purpose here to use it to glorify God and to serve Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and one another. Our goal, this ministry has a goal, and that is to grow spiritually and start to handle life God's way, not our way. God's word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives. And we study it, read it, learn it, and apply it to see how God wants us to live, how to think, how to act, how to serve, how to treat ourselves and others. Thank you, Jesus. Each part of his body is very precious to God. One body, many parts. Amen. I want to personally welcome all of you to the way. We depend on God's grace, not our own power, to accomplish his will for our lives. Also, I want to say hello to our family who are watching from the live feed who can't be here with us this morning. If you would like to worship with us in unity of the spirit this morning, we love you all. And thank you for your continued support. And if you have a cell phone, can you please silence it? so it does not disturb this morning's service. And as always, we'll start with a word of prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, Abba Father, thank you for giving us this beautiful day this morning, Lord, and this beautiful opportunity today to gather together as your family to worship you, to honor you, and to glorify you, and to be thankful for you, Lord, in all things as we go into this Thanksgiving holiday, Lord. We're just so thankful that you was uh, obedient unto death, Lord, to go to that cross and be our final sacrifice so we could be set free from the power of sin, Lord, and the penalty of sin, and the presence of sin one day in our lives, Lord. We're grateful and thankful for all the body, one body with many parts, Lord, as we each need each other for this to function properly. We pray for the sick and suffering. We pray for all the nations of the world that they come in unity and peace, Lord. We pray for our nation Israel, Lord, that you release them from the tyranny and bring oppression out of them, Lord, and bring the Holy Spirit back into that nation, Lord. Please, Lord, help us all and help America to bring you back and put that Bible back on the president's desk, Lord, so we could run this country the way it was meant to be run, Lord, from the beginning. And we're just so grateful and honored that you give us the grace and mercy for that to take place. Let us always be prayerful and thankful to our nation and to our leaders and authority, Lord, so that you can come in and just bless this nation once again, Father. And we pray for the sick and suffering that you reassure them you'll never leave them nor forsake them. You're with them every step of the way. And let everything be led by your spirit this morning, Father, and not our flesh. And it's that powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand and we're going to worship the Lord.
beautiful day, what a beautiful congregation, what a beautiful church we have this morning. One body, many parts. Again, I want to say thank you to all those who serve in the ministry and all those who donated for the turkey baskets to help someone in need. That's what it's all about, being thankful and generous. Amen? We're so grateful this morning to be here. All right, we're going to start this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are going to have a Thanksgiving message today because this will be the last service we have before Thanksgiving. We have a lot to be thankful for and grateful for. Can I get an amen right there? Amen. All right. There's not enough time to, to mention how grateful we are to the Lord and what he's done for us already and what he continues to do in our lives. Okay. The Holy Spirit will be taken over as I go into these scriptures, so please prepare your hearts and clear your mind to the world so you can get a crystal clear message and listen what the Spirit is trying to say to the church this morning. Amen? Amen. Very important. As the devil will always try to distract us and take us from the message. All right, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1. And if you have trouble getting to the scriptures this morning, there is a blue card that Donna made to make it easier to get there. Okay, verse 1. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Thank God for that. We grow weary in our present bodies, 
And we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. We do get weary, don't we? For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan inside. Is that why I got up last night? I'm groaning. Oh, goodness. And the older I get, the more times I got to get up and go to the bathroom. I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies. So these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. Those that are born again have the Holy Spirit residing inside of them. Until the day of redemption, we are sealed. Amen for that. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing, not by seeing. Or we live by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies. For then, we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please, oh, him, not ourselves. Oh, okay. Our goal is to please him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. So all of us are going to get judged after we get saved for the good or the evil. Can I get an amen here? Amen. All right, so now it says we're God's ambassadors. Not just me, all of us. It says because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, it's always the best thing to do is have a healthy fear of God, understanding his ways and what he can do. We work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. How about a big amen? amen. God loves us, and he's watching. We're his ambassadors. We represent him in everything we think, everything we say, and everything we do after we get saved. How's that? All right, we're going to have a nice message this morning about Thanksgiving. I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. If I don't get a chance to laugh, if I get consumed by the Spirit here, I just want to make sure everybody has a healthy, happy Thanksgiving with friends and family. And always remember to honor God in everything that we do. As we are representative of our, our biological families, too, that might not be believers, we could show them that we are believers. And we want show grace and mercy to them as we need a lot of grace and a lot of mercy, especially when we all get together with our families. Right? Amen there. Okay. With promises of really great deals on Black Friday, littered between college football timeouts, the meaning of Thanksgiving sometimes gets missed. We pause to give thanks for the food, family members and friends gathered around the table in the midst of preparing elaborate meals and navigating family relations. But giving thanks isn't a practice reserved for a single day each year. It has deeper spiritual significance and benefits that ring true long after the leftovers are gone. Gratitude is a heart tenderizer. It keeps our eyes focused on Jesus, the source of all good gifts. It keeps our hearts tender and open. And with our hearts open, tender, the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness, and the self-control have ample room to grow. We have so much to be thankful for in this life, each and every day. But reality is that sometimes constant life demands, struggles, and worries give more room to defeat than to a heart of thanks unfortunately. Or we forget in the midst of busyness and pressures just to pause and give thanks 
for all that God has done and continues to do in our lives. Can I get an amen there? Sometimes it's really, it is a sacrifice to offer praise and thanks. Okay? We may not feel like it. We're struggling. We're weary. Or maybe we feel he has let us down. We think God seems distant, like he's far away. He doesn't really care about what's troubling us. Painful life blows and losses might have recent, recently sent us spiraling backwards. But here's what can make a lasting difference. We have a choice every day to give him thanks. And with the heart of thanks, we realize that no matter what we face, God doesn't just work to change our situations and help us through our problems. He does more. He changes our hearts. His power through hearts of gratitude and focused minds on him releases the grips of our struggle and the devil have over us. When we honor and worship God even through the struggles, it slaps the devil in the face and he has to go. We're strengthened by his peace, refueled by his joy. God's word is filled with many reminders of how powerful and vital a thankful heart can be in the world we live in today. The Bible teaches us that true thanksgiving is identified or verified by a life of daily thanks living. Today, even as another Thanksgiving day is around the corner, let us consider how to lead a lifestyle of thanksgiving and thanks living throughout the year. The Bible mentions some biblical ingredients that are needed for leading such a lifestyle. The first one. A life of thanksgiving is mocked by a life of rejoicing. In the Bible, the word joyful appears about a hundred times or maybe even more. But I selected 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I want us to turn there for a reason. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In this verse, Paul commands the church of Thessalonica to be joyful while she was in the middle of a severe wave of persecution. Paul's words may sound blunt, but actually it's not. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, go with me to verse 16, please, if you will. We fight the enemy with the words of God. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. Look what it says in verse 16. Always be joyful. Oh, I'll give everybody a chance to get this. I want you to read it. I hear the pages flipping. That's fine. Get to it. Does it tell us that there's a condition on being joyful in the Bible? No, there's not one thing in the Bible that says it's conditional. It says to always be joyful. Okay? Then in verse 17 it says, never stop praying. The first two things that go in a believer when they're under attack or pressured is their joy and their prayer life. Can I get an amen here? We get angry with God. We don't understand why he's doing what he's doing. But we're so finite in our thinking, we don't understand the whole scope of what he's doing. So we get angry in the moment, and we stop praying, and we stop being joyful, and we show him what? Misery and that lemon face as Christians. Mm. You ever a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Why? What is it to you? Don't bother me. I'm going through something. that joy? The Bible teaches us to be always joyful and to never stop praying. The devil knows exactly what to do when we're going through adversity. To lose our joy, because joy in the Lord is our And what? Never stop praying as our communication with God. So we can understand what he's doing and why he's doing it. 
So the first two things that we let go of is that. Why? And then it says in verse 18, which is the third one to go, is to be thankful in all circumstances. How many of us want to know what God's will is for their life this morning? Everybody? Oh, it's going to tell us right here. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you, who belong to Christ Jesus. It's not rocket science, is it? It says to be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you, who belong to Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen here? God's will is us to be what? Thankful in all circumstances. And that's the first thing that goes the third thing that goes is our thankfulness. You think Paul didn't understand that? He put the first three things that we give up, and the first thing we start, what do we do? We start getting what? Complaining. Right? First we start being joyful. We start praying. The next to come is what? Our complaining about what's going on in my life, and why did God put this in my life, and why did God put that person in my life, and why am I not happy? Why am I not? Why, why, why? And how fast we lose our gratitude. And that turns into a what? A bad attitude. Paul is speaking about joy, not happiness. Now listen to me. Happiness is circumstantial and an emotion that we can't control. We will be spontaneously happy when our circumstances are good. But we'll be spontaneously miserable when the circumstances are not. Can I get an amen here? Being joyful, on the other hand, isn't a spontaneous emotion, but an intentional act of faith. Turn with me. Now you're going to have to go in your index for Habakkuk. <laughs> Habakkuk? Who the heck is that? Habakkuk chapter 3. Thank God for his grace and mercy in my life. I'm trying to be joyful when things are not going well. I'm trying to be joyful when I don't feel well. I'm trying to be joyful. I'm just trying to give it to the Lord. I'm a work in progress. How about you? Can we be honest in our church this morning? That we're not always joyful. Thank God for his grace and mercy that gives that ability to what? Get there. He never gives up on us. I give up on myself way faster than God does. Right? So I don't know, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to be, it's never going to happen. He knows the beginning to the end. I am so finite in my thinking sometimes. I don't understand the long-term effect of it, but I know that he's working everything out for good if I trust him. And he's working everything out for good for you if you trust him. Even when you can't understand it. Okay? Habakkuk 3.17 teaches us that rejoicing is a decision we make. It is the first ingredient for a life of thanks living. Look what it says in chapter, I mean chapter 3, verse 17. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. It's starting to get warmed up now. Although, like, it's not warm enough in there. I said, don't put the turkeys in here. They might start cooking. <laughs> I know the women. Oh, it's cold. It's cold. That's why I got my trusty little fan over here to just blow that breeze up at me. Whew. <laughs> okay. Habakkuk chapter 3. Look at verse 17, if you please. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle bonds are empty, look at verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. How about a big amen there? Everything was going wrong. The flocks were dying. The fields were empty, barren, no olive crops. Yet, 
I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. How about a big amen there for Habakkuk? Hit it right on the head there. Second principle. A life of thanksgiving is mocked by a life of nonstop prayer. Nonstop prayer. Paul then advises the Christians in the church of Thessalonica to pray without ceasing. Paul stresses it, is so much, so stresses it so much because prayer is the heavenly fuel that keeps the aforesaid flame of joy burning even in times of trials. Can I get any men on that? The dictionary defines perseverance as persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. A direct reference to the concept of persistent prayer is first seen in Luke 18, 1 to 8. Paul repeatedly urges us to do the same in Romans 12, 12, Ephesians 6, 18. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 4, if you would, please. For the sake of time, I can't go through all these scriptures. And by the way, I told you to read the book of Jude, right? We will be going over that, so if you didn't read it yet, get a chance to go back and read it. I didn't forget that. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Boy, I, I, love, I love this church. I love the people in here. And I love the word of God. And to be able to preach truth with a smile and use receive it gladly brings joy to my heart. Because that's what we need in this life. We need truth. Whether it hits us between the eyes sometimes, as if I was talking to you, but it's not me talking. You have to understand that God has taken over. He's just using me as the mouthpiece. Okay, so if the messages are blessing you, that's good. If they're, if they're convicting you, that's even better. Because God is a God of conviction to what? Turn us from things and bring us back in line with him. Amen? All of us fall short. So don't think I'm targeting anyone, by the way. Just in case, you know, that's why I got to wear tinted glasses here and I'm looking at somebody directly when I'm saying the scriptures because people get, you were looking at me when you said that. Were you talking to me? <laughs> telling you, this is what happens. So, I'm not looking at anybody. I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the ceiling fan right now. <laughs> okay, Colossians chapter 4, look at verse 2. This is something we have to choose to do. It says to devote. To devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. So when we go into prayer, we have to be alert. To what? Be aware because the, our great enemy, the devil, is lurking. Does anybody get into a prayer and start getting scrambled eggs and start thinking something vile and vulgar while you're supposed to be praying something godly? Because we understand that the devil gets into our minds and clouds it. Especially when we're praying. I, think, I feel like I got amnesia when it comes to praying. I get into the prayer and all of a sudden I forget what I'm praying for. I said, the devil. He's always trying to scramble me. And he's going to try to do that to you. It says to be alert and to go into prayer with a thankful heart. Not with a complaining heart. Can I get an amen here? Don't go to prayer and complain. Go to prayer and be thankful. We just got done with the book of Job on Wednesday. And he was thankful and he lost everything. Oh, he went through his times, but he never denied God once. Can I get an amen here? The Bible is written for our example. So we can what? Follow it. And not fall into the same traps that other people have. It says in verse 2, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too. Pray for the ministries. Pray for the church. That God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That's what we're getting many opportunities in this church. We're not just getting the message out here. That's why we're expanding. We have TV. We have the cameras to go beyond the four walls into the world. And we're all part of that. Can I get an Amen. So now the cameras are rolling and they can see the congregation too. Like they're part of something. So we feel like we're all part of one. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. And that what? 
It takes a lot of what? Time, effort, energy, finances to get it out there. Now look what it says. Many opportunities. That's why I'm here in chains. Verse 4. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. You should always pray for the ministry, the leaders of the ministry, so they get the message out clearly. Pray that they, that they can get to where they have to get to and make it easy as possible for them to do that. Can I get an amen? That's why we have one body with many parts. Many parts are connected so I can get this message out there. It takes so much. For me to stand here for an hour, you would not un unbelieve what it takes to get to that point. To get the church ready, everything ready up and going, the live feed, everything going. You would not un you, it, it's mind-boggling what it, what it takes. Now, look what it says in verse 5. Very important, my brothers and sisters, to live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. We have so many opportunities today. So many opportunities in this dark world today to shine some light on it with Jesus. Can I get an amen here? The opportunities are endless these days. Because people are right now in the world of self-absorption and self-centeredness. We have an opportunity to what? Really shine and be grateful with gratitude and giving hearts. Showing them that it's Jesus living through us and not us. Now it says in verse 6. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive or seasoned with salt, so to speak. It says, let your conversations, the words you say, your lifestyle, conversation goes all the way through. Be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response to everyone. See, if you're always grateful with gratitude in your heart, you'll always be in God's will because that's what his will is for you. To be thankful in all circumstances, for that's God's will. So if you go into any opportunity or situation with a thankful heart, you don't have to worry about what to say. Because you know when you're grateful and happy, things come out building up and edifying. We're not tearing down and complaining anymore. We're thankful. And we what? Encourage people. And we help out and we want to give. We become, we're not so much takers anymore. We become givers. What can I do for my Lord today? He's sending me on the mission field this morning. Every time a believer gets up, it's God goes ahead of you to send you into situations that you can glorify him. Can I get an amen? amen. And we fail often. Thank God for his grace and mercy that begins afresh every day. So we can what? Pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off. By the grace of God, we go on. Never let the devil beat you up because you fail. Or when you fail, because we all fail. Sometimes we don't, we don't speak when we should speak, and sometimes we speak when we shouldn't speak. That's why when you're always grateful and happy, all your words are gracious and attractive. Why? Because humans are result-oriented, and praying can be difficult when our results are delayed. We're result-oriented. I'm praying, where's the result? Come on, Grandpa God. Come through. We're result-oriented. When we don't get a result, what happens? We start what? Complaining, where's God in this? I can't hear from God. What's going on? So praying can be difficult when results delay. They are wired to look for substitutes when a given avenue seems to have failed. Okay, But unlike the world, we must pray persistently because in Daniel chapter 10 verse 12 teaches us that in the spiritual realm, God answers our prayers the moment we start praying. In the spiritual realm. Although we will not see the results in our realm right away. Can I get an amen? He hears us in the spiritual and he's working in the spiritual realm. As soon as we start to pray, go back and read Daniel chapter 10 verse 12 to prove it. Okay. Is everybody with me so far here? Okay, the third principle. A life of thanksgiving is living a life of generosity. God doesn't just want to bless us so we can meet our own needs, but he does it so we can meet the needs of others. As we give generously in Jesus' name, 
We're the recipients, the recipients thank God, not us. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, please. We know the message is going around the world and somebody's finding salvation this morning through this message. Somebody's finding Jesus that might not have heard of him before because this, this goes out around the world. That's how far it reaches. And if God will send it and it will reach who it has to reach. And you're all part of it. Go with me to 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 please. Second Corinthians 9, verse 6. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give in reluctantly or in response to pressure. For the Lord loves a, a person who gives cheerfully, not out of obligation. Proverbs 22, verse 8. And look at verse 8. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor and their good deeds will be remembered forever. And he's quoting Psalms 112, verse 9. For God is the one, listen now, God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two think good things will result from this ministry of giving. Listen now. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem or God's holy people will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. And as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove, listen, will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. So is giving a part of being obedient? Absolutely. It says will prove that you're being obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift. Too wonderful for words. How about a big amen there? Okay, now listen. Gratitude just doesn't come because we receive something. Generosity also inspires thankfulness to the one who gives. That gratitude gets translated into more generosity. If we look at what we have as something we have earned, listen to me now, we hold on to it tightly. If we recognize God gave us the ability to make money, it is natural to see ourselves as stewards of what he has entrusted us. One of the keys to thankfulness and generosity is seeing that everything we have belongs to God. Mark tells us about a rich young ruler who comes to Jesus looking for eternal life. Jesus tells him to sell everything he has and give the proceeds to the poor. Since he had so many possessions, he walked away dejected. Go with me to Mark chapter 10, if you would, please.
love to hear them pages turning. <laughs> so don't be waiting for some big screen to block that stained glass. Because it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Why do you need to look at a screen when you've got a book right in front of you to read it? You know how the human heart is, right? We get lazy. I put the screen up there, they never open the Bible. And that's not my goal for this church. My church is free to always be in that book. How about a big amen there? Because that's the key to your life. Okay, is everybody there? All right. Verse 17, Mark chapter 10. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. Amen. <laughs> but to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. And by the way, he's quoting Exodus 20, verse 12 to 16, and Deuteronomy 5, 16 to 20. So if the Old Testament isn't relevant, why is he putting it in there? It's in all the New Testament. So read it. Verse 20. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Uh-oh. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. Now, what's he saying? He's saying all the stuff that he had stopped him from following Jesus. That's what he's saying. Does that, is, it, is he using a literal thing like sell everything and just run to Jesus? It doesn't mean that. It means don't let that stop you from following Jesus. Can I get an amen here? Don't let all your possessions and wealth stop you from following Jesus. Because that's what it said. It said, go and sell all your possessions to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. So what he's saying, put that stuff on the side and put me first. He's not, selling, he's not saying literally to sell everything. Come on, now we still need that stuff to survive down here. People take the wrong thing literally and spiritually. They take it out of context. No, God gives us rich, poor, medium. It's everybody has what they have because of God. Amen. No one judges anybody here. If somebody gets blessed, thank you. I'm glad God blessed you. Sometimes some people can't have a lot of material stuff because it takes them away from God, so he doesn't give that to them. Some people can have it and still follow Jesus. Can I get an amen here? That's why we don't judge people here. We love people here. Love is unconditional. We don't get jealous because somebody has more than we have. Because our riches are here, in this heart. You can't buy what I have. My connection with Jesus is everything to me. If God took everything off me, he can't take them. He can take anything. He can't take that from me. He can't take my love for Jesus. Because let me tell you something. The Bible says not to hold on to things too tightly to this world because the day may come when we don't have that. And all we do have is Jesus in that book in front of you. Amen. Then what are you going to do if that was what you were holding on to? Because someday it might all be gone. And you ain't taking it with you, by the way. One life to live will soon be passed. Only what's done for Jesus will last. So if you understand that principle, get busy with Jesus. Because there's where your rewards are. That you take that with, by the way, you take that with you. Not the material. 
You take the spiritual with you. How about a big amen there? Now look what it says in verse 22. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had many possessions. So what's the principle? Don't let the possessions own you. Let Jesus own you. And you, know, and you can keep your possessions. But don't be surprised if you, if you honor your possessions too much that he doesn't strip them from you, so you will follow him. I get a big amen here. And if he does take them from you, if you read the book of Job, whatever the principle might be, he blessed them doubly after. Job didn't know that. Do you think Job knew that was going to happen to him after he lost everything? No, but he got blessed double. And his life was even more prosperous later. See how finite we are? How do we know what's going to happen if we do lose all that? Because God might have something better for us. But you have to understand the principle why we lost it. If we made that our idol and our God and he took it from us, that's one thing. But if he took it from us because what, he doesn't want us to have it anymore, he wants us to follow him more, so well, see you later. Because you're spending the most time with him when you go to heaven. Not with that. All right. All right. Sometimes we hold so tightly to our stuff that we can't obey what God is telling us to do. Can I get an amen here? We don't recognize that as we give to others, God blesses us with joy and thanksgiving. It's when we give is when we receive. We're told by our consumer culture that we'll be happier with the more stuff we have. Jesus calls us out of that culture and to generously give what we have. What we don't see is that when we trust him in this, he blesses us. We're not called to suffer through giving to others. It's just that we won't see the blessing in it until we learn to be obedient to it. Probably the most generous and thankful people we know not the most wealthiest of the richest. It's entirely possible to give generously with limited resources. When it comes to generosity, Paul has a particular lexicon. The words he associates with giving generously are words like abound, increase, enlarge, overflowing, surpassing grace. When we abound in our generosity, thankfulness is the natural response. We can't internalize this truth, though, until we regularly practice generosity. It's something we have to practice. Because in the beginning, it's like sacrifice. Oh, I got to give that. I got to give that. But as we keep doing it, we see that, wow, by me giving, I, I, I just helped somebody. The very reason why God saved me and created me, to help somebody. And then you what? Get blessed, the inner blessing, the peace. The sacrifice turns into blessing. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, right? After he rose again, he was blessed with eternal life. So are we. How about a big amen there? Okay, listen. When we abound in generosity... It's natural, the natural response. God is increasingly generous to us. You can see this in creation in how he blesses people who follow him and those who don't. God doesn't bless us because we deserve what he gives us. God gives us abundantly because it's his nature to be generous. It's God's nature. Anytime we realize how good God has been to us, it becomes obvious that we should act generously with others because we're thankful for what God has done for us. How about a big amen there? One body, many parts. All right. A life of thanksgiving is marked by a life of giving thanks. In the Bible, men of influence were also men who thanked God verbally or literally. Even when in despair. Remember Paul when he was in prison? In the jail, he was singing when he was in the stocks and his feet were in the mud. 
even when in despair. Job thanked God when everything was lost. Remember? Jesus thanked the Father before he fed 5,000 people in the middle of nowhere. Paul and Silas thanked and praised God from inside a prison cell in Philippi. Finally, I want to conclude by telling why we need to give thanks for everything. The answer is in Philippians chapter 4. Go with me there. Thanksgiving immunes our hearts and minds in Christ. Jesus against circumstances that also nourish our faith. Go with me to Philippians chapter 4, please. We live in a society today of a sense of entitlement. It was, I deserve this stuff. Give it, give me, give me, give me. I deserve all that stuff. You brought me into the world. I want it. Give it to me. That is not what we to teach. Look at verse 4 of Philippians chapter 4. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Sometimes be full of joy in the Lord. Oh, did I say that wrong? No, it says always be full of joy in the Lord. See, now here's the problem. In the flesh, we can't be. See, in the flesh, it's like God's taken something from us. But in the spirit, he's given us something. See, in the spirit, he's replacing it with something. In the flesh, oh, I don't want to let go of that. I like that. In the spirit, it's in the way. Take it. Listen, always be full of joy. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you consider it in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. And believe you me, he is. If you look at the signs of the times, he's coming soon. Here it is in verse 6. How, about, how many people still have a lot of worrying going on in their lives? Hmm? You know worry's a sin, right? Worry's a big lack of faith, right? Don't think God's going to bless you when you're always full of fear and worry. Because that means you're not trusting him. It says, without faith, it is impossible. It says, it says not, he says it's impossible to please him. Without faith, it's impossible to, to please God. Can I get an amen here? So it says, always be full of joy. In the Lord, I say rejoice. Let everyone see you consider it. Don't worry about anything. Instead of worrying, it's called removing and replacing. Pray about everything. This is something that, see, see, these are learned behaviors. You have to understand that, right? You have to learn to do that. We don't have to learn how to do wrong. We naturally know how to do it. We have to learn how to do these things. That's why the Bible teaches us to do what is right and good. Can I get any men here? You have to practice this. The next time you worry, pray. Put it in your head. Put a card. Put it on your dashboard. Put it on your mirror in the bathroom. I'm worried right now. I'm going to stop praying. Do I have a chance? You're still alive, ain't you? Tomorrow's another day. Today's the day. You can still do it. As long as there's breath in your lungs, there's always time to turn and change from worry to faith. As we grow in our grace and knowledge of him, as we grow into our salvation, as we become perfected, as we mature in the Lord, we know that worry is a spirit. See, worry is not an emotion, it's a spirit. It's the spirit of fear, the spirit of worry. See, people think that emotions, they're spirits, and they come from evil forces that get planted in our minds. To what? Take us out of what? Our faith in God. But most Christians don't understand that. They think they're just emotions. They're spirits that enter into us because of the fall. Can I get an amen here? I'm trying to teach you that these are spirits that come into our hearts and our minds. Now it says, don't worry, pray about everything. Now it says, tell God what you need. Say, listen, God, I need, I need to hear from you. I need you, Lord. Listen, I need you. Tell him what you need. 
And but what after? Thank him for all he's done. Thank him for the things that he's already done. This is what I do when I get really bummed out and miserable. I just go back and thank him for what he's already accomplished in my life and what he's going to continue to do in my life. Because do I get the same way you do? Yes, I'm human. There's not one person on the planet that doesn't do this and walk away from God. There's nobody on an ivory tower where all sinners that do the very same thing. That's why we're not to judge anybody. All of us fall short. We're to encourage each other. So you see somebody come up to you worried, so you go and say, come on, brother, let's go pray. You don't say, I'm going to worry with you. Say, no, let's go pray. Then your worry turns to faith again because you have your brothers and sisters. When you hang with people that are walking the path, then when the worry comes, you can what? Get rid of it with what? Faith. But if you go to the world with worry, they tell you to take something for it. To get rid of the worry. Or buy something or feel better. They, t they bring you to Dr. Feelgood instead of Dr. Jesus. Oh, I want to feel better. Can I get any men here? We're Christians. We don't do it that way. We do it the what? Godly way. We talk to other people that are what? Stronger. And we pray with them. And build them up. There's no time. There's no room for pride in our church. Listen, pride has to go before the Lord can work in your life. So what? You just tell people, listen, I'm failing. I'm worried. I don't know what's going to go on with my life. That's okay to feel that way. Because we know that the devil always makes us feel that way. Now we have faith to say no to that. Say, no, I'm going to call my sister up. I'm going to call my brother up. We're going to go have a cup of coffee and pray together. I'm going to get rid of this fear and this worry. God did not give us a spirit of what? Fear and timidity. But of power, love, and a sound mind. That's what God has given us. But he said, do you hear what he said? A spirit of fear. A spirit of timidity or anxiety. Those are spirits. We have to understand that they occupy the believer's mind. And they take us out of God's will. And they what? Cloud us. They're spirits. And you can't fix that with anything but what? Jesus. You can numb it, but you can't fix it. The only way you can fix it is to have faith in Jesus to get you through it. How about a big amen there? All right. Now look what it says. Tell him what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace. So to have an experience, you actually have to have something done for you. To experience it, you have to do it. Then you experience it. I know there's many people in our church that experience that. Can I get an amen here? Because they do it. You won't experience it if you don't do it. Right? Look what it says. Experience which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace, his peace will guide your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. What it means by living in Christ Jesus is by you live and obey the word of God. Again, amen here. I'm preaching my heart out for you today. I'm just, I'm tr you're getting this? You're not leaving till you do. Lock them doors. You have to live by God's Bible, by the Bible. When you live that way, you get set free from all anxiety and fear and worry. It doesn't just get covered up. It gets what? Erased. And when it comes, we know how to get rid of it. Not if it comes, when it comes. It will always come because of the fall. You can never eliminate it completely. All right. Even if I bring, as I bring this message to a close, okay, Let's bow our heads and make a fresh commitment leading to a life that gives thanks to the Lord, mocked by a life of rejoicing, nonstop prayer and thanksgiving verbally as well as literally. Let's pray. Dear God, dear Jesus, thank you for your amazing power at work in our lives. Thank you for your goodness and for your blessings over us. Thank you that you are able to bring hope to even the toughest of times strengthening us for your purposes. Thank you for your great love and care. Thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you that you are always with us and will never leave us. Thank you for your incredible sacrifice 
so that we might have freedom in life. Forgive us when we don't thank you enough, Lord, for who you are, for all that you do, for all that you have given us. Help us to set our eyes and our hearts on you afresh every day. Renew our spirits. Fill us with your peace and joy. We love you and we need you, Lord, this day and every day. We give you praise and thanks, for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want a round of applause for our Lord at Thanksgiving. Like I said, I want to wish everybody a Thanksgiving. As I call the yeses up to take up the collection, we will start to close.
First, I would just like to wish everybody a, a happy and safe Thanksgiving. Thank you. Lord, we're just so grateful and thankful to have this beautiful church, Lord, where we get to gather together each week, Lord, and, and hear your word. Lord, I just pray that we realize just how lucky we are, Lord, to have a church, Lord, where we can come as we are, broken sinners, Lord, without judgment, Lord, just seeking you and your word, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for the pastor, and we're just so grateful and thankful to have him who won't compromise your word, Lord, and isn't afraid to preach the truth in your word, Lord. Yes. Not afraid to preach those convicting, tough messages, Lord. Those messages that we need if we are truly to grow in our walk with you, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for strength, Lord, that we're able to take those messages, Lord, and use them not to become bitter, Lord, but to grow stronger in our walk with you. Yes. And Lord, I just pray for the church and our families, Lord, and just pray that you lay on our hearts, Lord, and those who watch us on our life, Lord, Give us a desire, Lord, to want to give back and support more for the church, Lord, so we can continue to restore your beautiful house, Lord, and pastor, we continue to get the truth of your word out there, Lord, who seek it. And I just pray all this in your holy precious name. Amen. 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 All right, thank you. Thanks, everybody. Again, I want to wish everybody a happy, happy Thanksgiving. The service is over, but it's just beginning when we leave. Have a great day. Until we meet again, God bless. Peace. Peace.